When I started working out, I kind of just worked out at home. I wasn't really comfortable to go to the gym yet. And I'd become pretty sedentary and uh, weak and in a lot of pain. You know, who hasn't gone through a time where they were like, oh my gosh, I'm just over it. It definitely, uh, it definitely changed when I found Girls Bone Strong. Well, what you're listening to there are a few testimonials about the new product from Girls Gone Strong, the Modern Woman's Guide to Strength Training. This is the brainchild of many women, including Molly Galbraith and Cassandra Forsyth, who are joining me here today on The Stumptuous Files to talk about this amazing new guide, as well as their own work and experiences. The Modern Woman's Guide to Strength Training is perfect for absolute beginners, all the way up to more advanced trainers, in helping them strength train safely and effectively. I've checked it out and it's jam-packed with information, but all of the information is made to be simple to use and digestible. It includes things like a video library, exercise programs and glossaries, progress trackers, conditioning tips, a nutrition guide and recipes, a bodyweight core training program, and a getting started guide to help you make sense of it all. It's a real treat for me to get these two powerhouse women in the same place at the same time to talk about women's strength health, and well-being. So here's my interview with Molly Galbraith and Cassandra Forsyth. Welcome to you both. This is a pretty amazing, exciting opportunity for me to get to talk to not just one, but two awesome women. We have a ton of stuff to talk about, but I think I'll just start by letting you both introduce yourselves. Molly, why don't you go first and tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. I'm going to try to keep my composure because I am uh, talking to two women for whom I've had admiration for a very long time. I've read your all stuff and followed your all stuff for for a long time. I remember I haven't met you yet, Krista, but when um, I was at a conference about maybe four years ago and um, Cassandra walked in, she goes, is this seat taken? And I looked up and I was like, you're Cassandra Forsyth. And she's like, yes, and you're Molly Galbraith, I think, maybe, and I think we're Facebook friends. So um, this is really exciting for me. I'm super glad to be here. Um, so I am a, a owner and co-founder of Girls Gone Strong, and I'm a former gym owner. I started a gym in Lexington about four years ago, recently stepped away from that to focus 100% on Girls Gone Strong and mollygalbraith.com. And my biggest passion is to... Um, help women discover what their best body looks and feels like with minimal time and effort, but more importantly, to help them have grace and compassion for themselves along the way. So I've dabbled a little bit in figure competitions. I've dabbled in powerlifting. Again, I've been a, you know, a a gym co-owner for several years and I'm just really passionate about, like I said, helping women discover, uh, you know, what, what looks and feels good to them without beating themselves up about it, teaching them to love themselves and have compassion for themselves. And so uh, that's that's what I'm most passionate about. And um, yeah, so I'll let Cassandra introduce herself. Molly just told us that we're old. <laughs> We've been around a long time. <laughs> that's what she just said. <laughs> no, you just got started before me. That's what it is. Thanks. Thanks, Molly. We're old. Um, so I, I'm also very honored to be here with both of you guys. And Krista was someone that I looked up to. I mean, Krista, you're the, you're the original badass. That's just the way it is. And you're still awesome. The OG. <laughs> OG. Oh, exactly. So, um, uh, so I got into this industry, I would have to say through T Nation over 10 years ago, which is pretty funny. 
because it's like a guy's site, but I was always into lifting and I was always the only girl in the weight room lifting. And I wanted to learn more about weights. So I discovered teenation.com, which at the time was, I think it was just, or it was teenation and now it's like testosterone. I can't remember how they changed it, but kind of grew up in that area where I met a lot of the people who are big players in the industry right now, like Eric Cressy and I met on teenation and he's like my brother now and his family is like, my, my, my American parents, cause I'm from Canada and now I live in the U S and, um, you know, met Tony Gentlecore there, John Romanello, Joel Marion, like all these people who are like big, big players there. I didn't meet Krista there, but she was before teen nation when there was mind and muscle. Wasn't that what it was called? Krista mind. Oh no. You're thinking of uh, Mezzo RX, I think. Mezzo RX. That's yeah. what I had done the interview with you and you had said that and I was like, Mezzo RX. What was that? <laughs> yeah, so, now we're going way back into about 99, <laughs> 2000, I think. Yeah, that was chat room time. So, mm -hmm. so, so much has evolved. So I got into the industry that way and also did it academically through master's uh, in nutrition and then a PhD in exercise science and nutrition. And then while I was doing my PhD, I was uh, contacted by Lou Schuler, who worked with my PhD supervisor. And that's how I was able to write the new rules of lifting for women with him wrote another book and just kind of became like an online persona in a way, like one of the few women like yourselves, the other, you two ladies here that talk about strength training and, you know, do something different than wearing leotards and holding pink dumbbells, you know, so a lot of women looked up to that and sort of stood out there and, and uh, made a name for women being strong and fit versus weak and fragile. Well, that's a great introduction from you both. And, you know, I mean, you've created this amazing product together, this, you know, the Modern Woman's Guide to Strength Training. And we'll talk about that in a second, but I feel like I want to get a little more context from you both. And I guess maybe, Molly, I'd start with you and just be curious about, like, what was your own path into strength training and, and why did that feel so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually, if you see me, it's hilarious because I'm almost 5'11". I'm like 165 pounds. And uh, I was actually a gymnast, a competitive gymnast for five years. And then to so talk about being in an environment early on where you don't feel comfortable with your body. And I can remember being seven years old and I was an absolute string bean and I thought that I was fat. And um, then I was a cheerleader for a couple years. And after that, it became quite sedentary at the end of high school, beginning of college, gained quite a bit of weight. And in 2004, I remember just feeling like so upset with the way that my body looked and felt and everything in my life was going really well. School was going well. I liked my professors. I had a great job. I was working two jobs. I was in a sorority. I mean, I had all of these things going for me. And the one thing that felt so out of control and uncomfortable was the way that I looked and the way that I felt. And the funny part is that's what we have for the most part, a lot of control over, right? What we eat and what we do with our body. And that's what felt so out of control. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get in shape. And of course I had no idea what that meant, but it sounded really good at the time and uh, hired a trainer, worked with him for about six weeks maybe, but as a poor college student, I couldn't really afford to do that for too long. Um, and then just kind of started going to the gym on my own after that. I was trying to change my eating habits. At that point in time, I was eating fast food like probably between three and four times a day. And I didn't know what it meant to eat better. Uh, so I started drinking like Gatorade instead of soda, you know, and eating like these giant sandwiches instead of like, you know, 
hamburgers or whatever. So um, calorie for calorie, I probably wasn't doing much better, but I was trying to make better choices and uh, lost a little bit of weight and then ended up uh, starting to date a guy who was a trainer at the gym. And he's actually the one who introduced me to T Nation and Elite FTS and um, powerlifting and he did bodybuilding. And so I got introduced to figure and so, um, in 05, I did a kind of spur of the moment push pull powerlifting meet. What was really fun. Um, I had just walked in the gym about three weeks before the meet and, uh, I pulled 240 pounds from a two inch deficit with like no warm up and no real deadlift training. And I was like, is that good? And they're like, yeah, that's kind of good <laughs> considering you've never been trained in this before. And so, um, so I did that meet just kind of for fun and it was really cool to be like one of the only female lifters. I mean, this again, 2005, you know, one of the only female lifters at a meet, I walk in and I'm in plain clothes and they keep trying to make me pay. And I'm like, I'm I've already paid. I'm registered. And they're like, no, you know, they like, don't believe me that I'm actually lifting in the meet. So, um, in 06, 07 and 08, I competed in figure. And then, um, after my last competition in 08, my body just absolutely went haywire um, I gained a ton of weight. I felt awful. I was 24 years old and I felt like I couldn't get up off the couch to get a drink of water because I felt like it was going to take three hours to do it. Um, and I, it turns out I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune hypothyroidism, PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome and adrenal dysfunction. So there was a feedback loop issue between my brain and my adrenals. So, uh, lots of stuff going on. It was kind of this triple whammy. And I, I was looking in the mirror going, whose body is this? And up until then I had liked strength training, but I had trained primarily for aesthetics. And at that point in my life, my aesthetics felt so out of control because no matter what I did, my body just wasn't responding. And I was like, you know what? I really need to focus on training for performance and for strength. And that was a big turning point for me. I did another powerlifting meet in 2009, a full meet, had a lot of fun. And, um, really in the last probably five, five and a half years, strength training has become so much more than just like, how can it make my body look? It has so much more to do with, you know, what is it doing? I had a DEXA scan about a year or two ago. My bone density was three standard deviations above the norm, you know, and that was just so cool. It's like, man, this is, so, this is working, you know, I'm keeping myself healthy and safe and strong and just helped my confidence a lot. I struggled with confidence, um, a lot when I was younger, um, and just really didn't like myself and acted in ways that, you know, that showed that I didn't like myself and, uh, and strength training has just kind of really given me the confidence to, to love myself, love my body, no matter what it looks like. I've had lots of other fluctuations in the last couple of years due to some really stressful situations. And so it's just kind of made me, um, want to be a champion for, for women and body image and loving themselves regardless of their shape or size. Um, and so I have a saying, you know, you can love your body right this moment while wanting it to look or perform differently than it does right now. And that, really resonates with me a lot. I think women think that if there's anything they want to change about their body, then it means they don't love it or that they can't love it. And uh, I just, I just don't agree with that. I think everyone should always be striving to be a better version of themselves, but they can still love themselves in this moment as imperfect as they are. So, well, that's a super rich narrative. I feel like there's so many good things we can just pull out of that. But uh, before we do that, I mean, Cassandra, tell, tell us about your kind of entry into strength training and, and again, why it felt so important and crucial for you. Well, it started my interest in strength and like muscular physique in a sense was very natural. When I was 11 years old, you know, I'd have sleepovers at my girlfriend's house. And, you know, that was when they would play uh, um, like on TV, American Gladiators would be on and then like Roller Jam or whatever was on afterwards. And we'd stay up late to watch American Gladiators. And I always admired the physiques of American Gladiator females. 
And at the time I was also in, in dabbled in gymnastics and I say dabble because I did compete, but I was not like anything stellar per se, but I was always very much interested in a muscular physique. Like I remember when I first came, when I came home one day and I flexed for my dad <laughs> and I was like, check out my guns. <laughs> like, look at this, look at these biceps, dad, <laughs> you know? And I showed my dad, my mom wasn't really interested in that kind of stuff, but my dad was. So I always had kind of, sort of like a, I guess you could say maybe a masculine, feminine tendency. And I was also kind of tomboyish too, that I wasn't really like wearing a lot of dresses and playing with the girls as much as I was more rough and tumbling with the boys. So I was in gymnastics until at 13, I um, hurt my back really bad, not necessarily in gymnastics, but when we were on a car trip. And um, I found out that my back was, my spine is broken. I have a spondylolisthesis, which is a break and a slip at L5-S1. And also in that realm, I have a herniation at L4, which is very common. And that's a very common gymnastics sort of uh, side effect, I should say. Not necessarily an injury, it's just from all the hyperextension. And I was, I was asked to quit gymnastics by the doctor. And with that said, I got really upset because... I wasn't doing the physical training I really loved and like wasn't able to build the muscles I wanted and sort of kind of get into a bad place where I went like drinking and boozing and doing a lot of drugs as a kid and went down kind of a bad, bad place. But once I got out of that, I, I got out of that by joining a gym and starting weightlifting. And that was the thing I could do because it was too late to do any sports and I really wasn't very athletic. So I started weightlifting and got into figure and fitness and bodybuilding and totally into that realm and did a couple figure fitness shows and in the same sense my body rebelled on itself as well and had to sort of discover how I could train less for physique and more for being pain-free with the back issues I have but also for just overall strength like not necessarily being the strongest woman in the gym but being strong for me and that was always cool to be like the girl in the gym that was doing chin-ups you know when all the other girls were like not attempting anything uh, any feat of strength at all. So, so that was really cool to get into it that way. So it was kind of like an injury sort of spurred me to go where I wanted to, where I am now, but it was a sort of a natural thing for me to be attracted to a muscular fit body. Well, what's striking me about both your stories is that, you know, really neither of you was starting with a kind of quote unquote perfect situation, right? That that you came to this place where you are now through a variety of trials and tribulations and, and challenges and so forth, and, and probably a lot of really down periods. I mean, I'm sure there were periods where you just thought, oh my God, I'm completely screwed. There's nowhere I can go from here, right? I'm so diseased or I'm so broken or whatever that I'm, I'm perhaps beyond hope. And so it's just a really interesting kind of theme here that you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I have to be perfect to start, you know, it's almost like I have to clean the house before the cleaning person comes over, right? I have to be (laughs) in good shape, or I have to be an athlete, or I have to feel confident before I start. And clearly, that's not true. And in a way, strength training can, can, I don't want to say it can save us from being broken, but it can certainly help us get to a much better place. And I'm really struck by the parallels in both your stories around your time in physique oriented training and in my experience what I've noticed in folks is that if you start in physique or you or you get into physique kind of training um, or thinking about things 
it has a certain lifespan on it, right? There's not a, long, a lot of mental, emotional, physical longevity in mm-hmm. that. You know, people might start there, but somehow transition out of it for one reason or another. And, uh, you know, Molly, you talked about just being incredibly damaged at the, yes. at the end of this and your body's rebelling and you didn't even, you were kind of alienated from yourself completely, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, so I'd, I'd be kind of curious to explore that a little bit. I mean, what have you seen in women lifters who maybe go through this physique uh, interest or aesthetic interest and then kind of reach a point where they're like, okay, I'm not sure this is working for me anymore. And what have you observed uh, in, in your athletes, Molly? Well, it just takes up so many resources, so much time, so much energy, so much passion, so much, you know, physical exertion to be able to do something like that. And, you know, like you said, there there is a lifespan on it. There's a reason that you don't see um, you know, the same woman win the Olympia for more than a few years in a row, right? Because it just takes so much. And, um, and there are so many bad, uh, unfortunately bad coaches out there, nutrition coaches who are guiding women. I say guiding, I use that loosely guiding women to do these competitions when they're really just starving them and, um, and having them do a ton of cardio. My first, the person who helped me get ready for my first competition was my boyfriend at the time. And I mean, I was below a thousand calories and doing two hours of cardio a day for, uh, you know, months and months. And obviously he was someone that cared about me and was doing the only thing that he knew how. And, um, you know, he's obviously not my boyfriend anymore and he does things very differently now, but that's what he knew to do then. And, you know, I lost my period and I, um, you know, felt really sick. I remember feeling like my legs felt like they weighed a million pounds for like the last six weeks before my competition. And in the week after my competition, I went on vacation. And of course I had no coping mechanisms for how to go back to normal eating after I had been so restricted. So, I mean, I just like stuffed my face and I remember my entire body felt like it was covered in a giant bruise afterwards. And, um, yeah, I think it just takes up so, so many resources that it's not possibly sustainable if you want anything else in your life to feel well-rounded. Um, and I also feel like that the reason that people do stay in it when they are exhausted or, you know, don't necessarily want to be it anymore in, in it anymore is because one, they don't have the tools. Like, well, I remember walking to the grocery store and saying, I have no idea what to buy. I don't have a meal plan. I don't know what to buy. And that's crazy. You know, I was a mid twenties, college educated, master's educated, you know, individual who had eaten healthy for years and I did not know what to buy in the grocery store. And number two, I think that for a lot of people, their identity gets wrapped up in it. You know, their significance comes from being that person who competes or that person who shows up at, you know, dinners with their own Tupperware or that, you know, they just get so much attention, positive or negative, but it just becomes their identity and who they are. And so I feel like it's easy to get trapped in it. I've had women come to me and they're like, well, I'm not getting results. And, you know, I, I, so I work with a trainer three times a week and then I do this on my own four times a week. And then I do an hour of cardio on top of that. And I just, and I'm like, well, you know, what about maybe cutting back a little bit? And they're like, but I can't, I can't, I can't. It's like, well, what you're doing right now is not working. So maybe we could try something different and just kind of slowly ease them out of it. But it's like, again, they don't know who they are if they don't have that. And so I think you're exactly right in saying there's a lifespan to it. And I'm actually working on a blog called Fitness Professionals Are the Least Obsessed with Fitness of Anyone That I Know. Because so many people who are in it for a long period of time just get to the point where they realize like, man, 
I love this stuff, but I don't want my whole life to revolve around it. And I feel like maybe you, a lot of people have to go to that place of obsession to realize like, okay, been there, done that. You know, I know what that's about and that's not what I want for my life. And, um, yeah, I think it's just this, this period of, ex- of being so extreme where you realize that you can't really fill your life with much else if that's what you're a hundred percent focused on. Yeah. And so Cassandra, I mean, how does your experience kind of map onto that? Is it different? Is it related? I mean, what have you seen? Well, I was kind of making notes. Well, not kind of, I was making notes while he was talking. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you could relate as well, Krista, to what she said. There was one thing she said about, you know, people that have been in it for a while, you know, are least fitness obsessed because I know myself and I, I think from what you do now too, you're, what you do for fitness is what you like to do for fun. You don't drag yourself to the gym anymore or say you have to be there. It's because you want to go, well, you do grappling, Krista. So you're like, I want to go grapple someone's ass right now, <laughs> you know, but it, it's versus it's fun versus life controlling. So it's, it's part of your life as something that you enjoy, like a, like a, a desire versus an obligation. And so how that mirrors Molly, I, I guess I was there as well, where I felt like it was my obligation. And in a sense, I still feel obligated to be at the gym a lot. Like I own a gym now and I feel bad when I'm not around, but I like being there too, because the way I feel when I exercise is good. And I don't stress so much anymore. Like today I was supposed to do a, not supposed to, but I had planned to do a conditioning session with one of my coaches and we were both saying how sore we were today. And, and I said, it's a good day to just walk the dogs and, and chill the F out kind of thing. And so learning from the past, like you had said to Krista, you know, cleaning the house before the house cleaner gets there. It's not about being perfect first. It's about breaking down to learn who you really are and what you really want, but experiencing these things. Like I don't, I don't regret ever going through fitness competitions and highly ordered eating and cognitive dietary strain because it helps me now today to understand a bit, have a better relationship with what I choose to eat, what I choose to do and, and, and just liking what I've got versus hating it all the time because it's not perfect because there's no such thing as perfect <laughs> anymore. <laughs> well, and one, has, but there isn't. Um, if I can pipe up one thing that I did an informal poll on girls gone strong and on my Facebook page. And I said, for those of you who have been working out for longer than five years, how often do you work out? And selfishly, I was hoping that most people said three to five days a week because that would confirm like my general recommendations for people. And we like to confirm our own biases, right? I'm like, you know, hoping, okay, yeah, this is, this is pretty reasonable. And, um, and so that, and that was the answer I'd say that I got for the most part, but anyone who piped up and gave like qualitative information versus just like this many times a week, just about every single person said, well, you know, when I was in law school, I could only get to the gym twice a week, but now that I'm done with law school, I go four times a week or, you know, well, when I, you know, when I was pregnant, you know, I worked out with the trainer one day, we can did a lot of walking. Now that my baby is six months old, I'm in the gym four days or whatever. And everybody um, who piped up and gave information beyond just the number of times they were in the gym pretty much was talking about how they change things over time. Like in the winter, you know, I get there three days a week in the summer, I'm hiking every day or whatever. But everybody gave information about how they change their 
training and or whatever they're doing to be active based on what is going on in the in their lives right now whether it's having a child whether it's being in school whether it's the weather or whatever but it was so cool to hear that people who have been in in fitness or or being healthy or active for the long haul realize that doing less at certain points in time in their life is not failure you know, it's, it's adapting their routine to what they can do in the moment in order to make sure that they don't ever get out of that habit of being active and healthy. They don't see going to the gym twice a week as failing. They see it as, all right, well, that's what I can do this week. And, you know, whenever I can get back to going three or four or five days a week, I will. But for now, this is what I can do. And I think that, um, again, for longevity's sake, I mean, you know, intensity and duration are, are, uh, inversely related, right? You can only keep up so much intensity for so long before you just absolutely crap out. Well, that's such a great point. And it's interesting you say this. I used to be the kind of person that when I went on vacation, I would scope out all the gyms and like, I would never miss a day almost when I went mm-hmm. on vacation. And, and I always felt really proud of myself about that, right? Like, look at how awesome I am and you yeah. can work out anywhere and blah, 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 right? And now when I take vacation, I purposely don't go to the gym. Like, I mm-hmm. don't care whether, if there's a gym next door, I'm not interested. Even if this hotel has an amazing gym, I don't care. Um, I specifically schedule vacation to take time away to just be a real normal person. And I think what you're saying here is, is so crucial. But And I want to go back to, uh, Molly, you mentioned the shape that your body was in at the end of this physique stuff, the, the PCOS, the adrenal stuff, the Hashimoto's, etc. And I actually want to throw this question to Cassandra because I think it's kind of a good lead into talking about the importance of good nutrition for women and, and how women's bodies respond perhaps uniquely to nutritional stress, to training stress. And so, you know, to Cassandra, I would ask, like, why is, why is, good nutrition so essential for women in particular and what are some of the challenges that you see around women with their nutrition specifically as women well i mean with dietary restraint it women are more afflicted in terms of their metabolic function we see the effects in losing their periods so menorrhea loss of menses but then there's all these other metabolic things that occur and in some people in like in molly's case and it doesn't happen in everyone. Like I don't want to put like fear in people's hearts and saying like, if you do a figure show, you're going to end up with Hashimoto's or anything like that. That's not necessarily the case. But if you really do starve your body, there is some serious crap that happens to women for whatever reason that doesn't happen to men. And I don't know. I have another good friend here did the same thing. She had a diet coach here on the East Coast who's notorious for basically just starving her clients. And the girl you know, got down to like stick thin shape on stage, but literally looked sick. And then still, this is like, I don't know, four and a half, almost five years later, still has not been able to get her body comp back to a place it was before she started that fitness competition route. It was scary, like how how much it affected her. And she worked with Dr. Brooke Kellenick, who's a friend of all of ours, I think, naturopath, you know, doing a lot of different things. And it's still still an issue but she I think herself just won't give up from pushing because then she started doing powerlifting and really heavy strength training and pushes herself so hard to the point she's broken half the time so in her case that's one person I'm just saying sometimes it's a personality thing where 
nothing is ever perfect and you put that stress on yourself and your body just keeps saying, hey, giving you the finger because you got to back off. I'm not going to give up until you let me have some rest and until you give me some really good food. Um, and women, I'm not, I really don't know. I don't think anyone really has the answer why women are so affected more than men. I, maybe because our role on this earth is so much more important than men, (laughs) (laughs) you know, carry babies and breastfeed them. And, you know, we're smarter and better looking and we can multitask (laughs) a lot better than guys. There's a lot of reasons why we should be just dominating this planet, but (laughs) it happens yet. (laughs) But I'm just, I'm, no one really has that complete answer. And I, I'm, I'm saying this from an uh, academic point of view as well, because I've looked at the amenorrhea data, I've looked at the anorexia data and the research that's out there. And really, I have a binder of it. It's like staring at me right now, actually. And I'm always collecting papers on it. And there's just, it's not exactly 100% sure why. Some people relate it to certain macronutrients. Like some people say it's like a dietary fat restriction and then that that just sends a cascade of hormones all in the wrong place. Or other people say it's a carbohydrate, that women really need carbohydrates more than men. So that I, we're not 100% sure, but regardless of the fact, starvation in any form for any woman is a bad thing. And the women that should compete and the women that should be on stage are the ones that you know, have that genetic gift. I mean, I don't mean to say that negatively that people shouldn't try, but if you've got a, a, you know, there's those people that you look at them, you're like, Hey, do you, you know, do you compete? And they're like, no, I've never even heard of that before. And you're like, really? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. There you go. But we're the ones that not necessarily don't, we don't need to need, don't, we don't need to do that to ourselves, but we could just look and feel good. And that's, that's more important. Like instead of being judged on a stage, we can or even continuing to judge ourselves we can get to a point where we look and feel great without having to go to the point where someone's like oh you have a little bit of jiggle in your ass when you walk on stage sorry you're fat you know and then that's bad so you know there are certain people that are really meant to do that just like i'm not a runner and i've been trying to run (laughs) now i'm just really (laughs) broken (laughs) so i'm really backing off that journey (laughs) but i tried (laughs) now i'm broken a little bit (laughs) so (laughs) different story <laughs> well and, and Cassandra you were the one of the first people I think I think it was from you that I first heard the concept of cognitive dietary restraint which really blew my mind I mean this is the idea for those of you listening that that you don't even have to be actually restricting you can just be thinking about restricting obsessing about restricting kind of ruminating about your food and being OCD and that will have an effect on your hormones so I just I found that so fascinating many years ago when you first turned me on to it and it certainly illustrates this kind of interconnected role for our body mind and spirit in in terms of our health and I mean I want to turn now to talking about this amazing thing that you folks have created the the modern woman's guide to, uh, to strength training I mean Molly I mean kick this off like tell us about this thing first of all like I mean what does it do what is it what's in yeah. it? there's a million things in it I'll give some you know folks some notes on it uh in the show notes but just give us a general sense of of what this is and the scope of it Absolutely. So, um, and I would be remiss not to mention that uh, some of my mentors have been Mike Robertson and Bill Hartman um, at IFAST in Indianapolis. After my last powerlifting meet in 2009, I was wanting to compete again. And I was working out in the gym and realizing like, I'm not really getting any stronger. You know, I bet there are some basics, some foundational things that I'm missing that I need to get you know, get set before I can go back and get stronger. So I went to, I went up to, um, I fast at the beginning of 2010, January of 2010 
And Mike was like, so you just deadlifted 341 pounds, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, congratulations. You did that with your quads and your lower back. I have no idea how you did that. He's like, you're a mess. You're a complete mess. So I had this massive hyperextension um, from, you know, this massive uh, lumbar lordosis from gymnastics and cheerleading and just always standing in this like massive anterior pelvic tilt. And, you know, my posture was all over the place. I was um, you know, I'm doing everything with, like he said, my quads and my low back. And, um, he actually thinks it's funny now when we're at a fitness conference together to use my, um, videos from 2010 as demos of how not to do things. And so, um, so yeah, I went to see him and I've been working with him off and on for the last four and a half years. And Bill Hartman as well, who's an amazing physical therapist. And I really, um, before I realized, so I realized the importance of strength training and being strong. What I didn't really realize before then was the importance of moving really well and, you know, using the correct muscle groups to do certain movements and uh, just having good body awareness. And, um, you know, I didn't know anything about the joint by joint approach, which says that, you know, certain joints in our body are supposed to be more mobile and certain ones are supposed to be more stable. I didn't know anything about that. And so, um, working with them was just absolutely integral to my growth as a coach. And I started realizing there are so many women out here that want to strength train. I was getting messages. I mean, I still get messages all the time. Like I want to, I want to start working out, but I don't know how. And what I realized was even if they did start a training program, number one there, I didn't feel like there was anything out there that was, that was really comprehensive that could take one, someone from zero to comfortable in the gym and doing things intelligently. And, you know, there are good training programs out there, but just, I didn't feel like there was anything that was that comprehensive. And, um, I didn't feel like there was anything out there that, that told them everything to do. You know, there might be an intelligent strength training program out there, but does it explain to them exactly how to do a squat and exactly what their tendencies might be, um, if they're doing it incorrectly and how to fix them and how to correct them and exactly how to warm up and how to foam roll and all of these things that I felt like were really crucial, um, <clears throat> for me and to have a program, I, t I say all the time, you know, you can't just run, you can't just lift, you can't just stretch, you can't just do one or two things. There's a number of things that the, that the body needs to look good and feel good for a long time. And that includes some breathing work, some soft tissue work, um, a really good uh, dynamic warm up. Uh, strength training, some, some type of conditioning or energy systems training, and then some more kind of like breathing to kind of calm you down and, and, and kind of flip you back over to that parasympathetic nervous system at the end. And so I didn't see anything out there like that. And I just felt like it was imperative to create something that, um, that would, that, that would be accessible to women that they could understand. And the nice thing is, is the, the way that we've put the program together there are four different 16-week programs for beginner, intermediate, high-level, intermediate, and advanced. And so really, it's for any woman who who wants to strength train intelligently. Um, I also felt like that there were a lot of things out there were, you know, body part splits and working out six times a week. And I felt like it was really critical to say, you know, in my experience, like, <clears throat> strength training three times a week and doing some conditioning um, that matches what your goals are and uh, just taking care of yourself from the nutrition perspective and from the rest perspective is probably going to get you where you want to be. And so for the nutrition side of things, again, that's a huge piece. Um, I reached out to Cassandra because I knew she would put together something incredibly comprehensive and awesome, and she did not she did not fail me on that. She put together the guide to good nutrition as well as the uh, meal plans that the that the program offers, and they just they work really well together. Um, 
I'll let her talk obviously about the meal plans and the, and the nutrition guide that she put together. But I just felt like from start to finish, this is everything that a woman needs to know to get started in the gym. And luckily there's actually a checklist that tells you exactly how to get started because there's so much information there. It says, okay, read this first. And once you're done reading this, then watch this video. And once you're done watching the video, do this. And so it's a really nice step-by-step guide that kind of tells you exactly what to do and how to use the program. And that's so crucial, really, because you know, we're all drowning in inf- information. And, and, and I think one of the things that defines women's lives now is, is the condition of busyness, right? Whether mm-hmm. that's working, kids, family, uh, you know, school, like juggling a million things. And so folks are busy, they're distracted. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't have the expertise, the time, or the energy to process the massive amounts of information that is out there, right? So this is a really fantastic, well-structured resource that does say, okay, you know, we're, we're going to sit you down and we're going to give you one thing to do, and then we're going to give you another thing to do, but it's not going to be at the same time as the first thing, right? Which is so, so critical for, for women's lives. Funny, because that, that, that was the thing I did very at the very end about two weeks before we launched I was like oh my god it just hit me I was driving in the car one day I said oh my gosh I have to have a getting started guide I don't have that people are going to get all of this crap just dumped it's really good crap it's not really great it's good crap all this crap (laughs) just dumped in there dumped in their lab and they're going to have no idea what to do or what to look for or what to read first they they have to have instructions and it's funny because the first instruction is is to breathe I'm like, okay, you, I'm like, step number one, breathe. And I'm like, you'll learn more about this later, but just breathe. Just trust me, just breathe. Okay, step number two, you're going to read this. And so, yeah, you're right. It's this, there's, um, there's yeah, lack of information is not the problem. It's, it's a uh, lack of good information and what to actually do with that information because it can feel so overwhelming. You know, the reason that people know better and don't do better is because that leap is, they feel like is so big, um, that I think they need this step one, you know, step one, do this, don't worry about doing anything else. And when you're done with step one, then you can move on to step two. That's great. So, I mean, Cassandra, just give us a sense of the nutrition stuff that's in there. And, and I mean, how did you simplify it or, or offer it so that people could take advantage of it? Um, well, there, I feel there is a lot of nutrition information out there, but a lot of it seems to be maybe opinionated or controversial in a way. Like, not to like certain diets say like you can never eat this or don't eat that or whatever. What I try to do is just give education about what food is. And I think some people have really lost sight of just, you know, what is food and what its role is like, you know, why, why are carbohydrates in the diet and you know, what kind of carbohydrates are you looking to have Um, and information about um, eating disorders and body image and, 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 on that note, actually, eating disorders um, related to cognitive dietary restraint. And I, Chris, I think you and I had said something about this before, but that, or I emailed you about this, is that, you know, people call it eating disorders or disordered eating when you start becoming structured with your nutrition or maybe you have, like, opinions when it's actually very ordered eating. And we need to start changing our terminology on that. And I talked a little bit about that, but really just letting women know that everybody's body is different and that everybody responds differently to different things. So I was just communicating with my gym members today about what I do with my diet. And I don't, I don't include any dairy in my diet, not because I think like you shouldn't drink cow's milk or anything like that, but just really it doesn't physiologically work for me without causing a lot of GI distress. So that's an important thing to listen to. And mm-hmm. that, you know, whatever your girlfriend next door is doing may not be the diet for you. So it's best. And Krista said, you've, you've said this so many times, like, 
your body's really smart. Listen to it. it. It will tell you what it wants and what it needs. And yeah, there are times when your body like tells you things it really sh- shouldn't have, like, hmm. you know, a whole bowl of chocolate checks at night or something. <laughs> but Is that but, even a thing, chocolate checks? <laughs> oh my God, Kristen, you guys not have it in Canada? I, we must be less advanced in our checks technology. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sending you a box. It's, it's <laughs> I have some in my cupboard and I reach for it hmm. often. But anyway, it's... <laughs> I'm just saying, oh, man, Chris, I'm so sad for you right now. It's the best. Well, you know, we'll do, we'll do a swap. I'll send you some ketchup chips and don't yes! pickle chips. Yes. <laughs> coffee, Chris. My mom sent me a box of coffee, Chris, for Christmas. And my boyfriend is <laughs> For Christmas. <laughs> yeah, for Christmas. She's like, Merry Christmas. I'm like, oh, I don't want this in my house, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but just letting women know that, you know, you know, choose your diet based on what works for you. Don't try to fit like a, a, a square peg into a round hole. You know, it's not it's not the way it needs to go. You, you should be listening to what your body needs, what it wants and how it's responding and that it doesn't always respond the same over time. Like what worked for me 10 years ago when I was 24 years old is not working for me now necessarily because of metabolic changes, you know, whatever that may be, you know, changes in my GI system, changes in hormones, just life changes and also lifestyle changes. When I was 24, was I still in school, right? Yeah, I just started my PhD and I was pretty much like walking to a class, sit for an hour, walk to another class, go to the gym, you know, moving a lot more than say I move now. So it's nice to to just be aware of that. You don't always have to be the same as someone else and your dietary choices are very unique so going into that with the plan and then we, I offer suggested meal plans and it's not meant to be like necessarily follow, but people do want something to follow. So there's information there about that as well, about different options, paleo, because that's a very popular trend right now and, and does have good merit to it. And then low carb options and um, just a general eating plan and lower calorie options, higher calorie options, etc. So yeah, it was, it was really important. I felt like for like, because uh, Sandra said that, you know, women's bodies are different and they're going to respond well to different things. And not only that, but they're going to respond well to different setups in their nutrition plan. So <clears throat> when I'm working with a client, I ask them, do you want like really strict guidelines? Do you prefer to have like macronutrients where you can kind of build your own plan where you feel more flexible? Would you prefer just to make one small habit change at a time? Like what's going to help you be successful is you know, being a little bit maybe stricter in the beginning, gonna, gonna teach you these good habits. And then we can teach you how to, you know, become less strict over time and just, um, or, you know, are you going to do well? Like, I feel like for some people, if you don't tell them what to eat, they feel like, well, but I, you know, if you just say, we'll have six ounces of protein, they're like, but what kind of protein? And, and what if I have beef and if beef is fattier than chicken, then am I supposed to change the fat? And you know, can I have eggs? Does that count? Or should I, what about fish? Is that, you know, so, or and then other people, if you tell them what to eat, they're like, so I can't ever have anything other than chicken for dinner again. What do you mean? You know, I can't stick to that. That's going to make me want to eat Cheerios or whatever. So I feel like it's really important to, to, you know, give the, like, uh, Cassandra said, there's an kind of, if it fits your macros thing where we just give macros to people and they, they can kind of build their own plan based on that. If that's what feels good to them, there's the meal plans they can follow. There's, you know, like she said, the lower calorie, the higher calorie, the paleo. So we wanted to really make it clear that different women are going to be successful with different programs and that it's important for them to listen to their body, you know, find what feels good to them, not just physically, but also psychologically and to, to offer, you know, several different options that they can try to, to, so they can discover what, you know, what works well for them at this time. 
I really like this piece you allude to of knowing yourself, and Cassandra in particular, I like this piece about um, knowing yourself across your lifespan too, because there, I, when I, you know, 10 of 20 years ago, uh, when I started training, I, I had this opinion like, oh, every aging related change is just an issue of lack of fitness or lack of good nutrition. And if you work really hard, then aging is kind of irrelevant. And obviously, we now know that's completely ridiculous. <laughs> I'm about to turn 41. And I'm like, oh, actually, age does have some relevance. How about that? Um, so it, it really is an incredibly humbling experience when your body's like, yeah, I, I got a plan here. And it does not involve what you think is right. Um, so I mean, I really like this idea of not just honoring different body types, different metabolic needs, but also understanding that there's this kind of dynamic ebb and flow to them over time, over the lifespan, and so forth. And I, I feel like, too, this is something that really defines women's lives in particular. And I guess the, the, one of the questions that's on my mind is, people will often say, oh, like, why do we need stuff for women? Why is this important? And there's two, kind of two pieces here. Why is it important to have stuff for women in particular, uh, you know, why not just for everyone, right? Aren't we all humans, etc.? Um, and the second piece of that is, why is it important to see and hear women talking to other women about this stuff? Uh, Molly, why don't you take that one immediately? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's clear that our needs uh, that our needs are very different. You know, when Cassandra was talking earlier about the the dietary restraint and how it affects women differently, again, she said, you know, maybe we don't, maybe we're not a hundred percent sure, but I think it's really clear that our endocrine systems are more complex and delicate than a man's. Um, again, having PCOS, having you know these uh, the the hormone issues that I've had when I. When I got diagnosed with PCOS, I believe my testosterone was over a thousand. Wow. And yep, it was normal for an 18 year old male. Explains and your deadlift. <laughs> exactly. I know everyone's like, that's awesome. Like all my guy friends are like, man, I'm so jealous. Um, and you know, my cortisol was out of whack. It was high at night and it was, you know, low in the morning and, and, um, and just these simple, you know, dietary changes and, and exercise changes that I had made had thrown everything out of whack. And, uh, you know, we, we obviously have different needs physiologically, but I think psychologically as well. Um, it's, I think it's a lot more common to see women who have this, like Cassandra said, this highly ordered eating or this, you know, cognitive dietary strainer. There's so much, um, for women, there's so much shame attached to food and our bodies and the way we, you know, the way we look and, um, I read a really good cartoon the other day that I posted on Girls Gone Strong and it shows this woman and these two women are passing each other on the street and one is, you know, a little bit slimmer and, and apparently more attractive than the other. And as soon as they pass each other, the one who's a little bit heavier, it instantly shows her seeing herself as significantly heavier and significantly frumpier and significantly. And the other woman, uh, she starts to see this other woman as like the supermodel in her brain or whatever. And so, um, you know, I think that, uh, we're, we're just different. I remember actually hearing, um, Dr. John Berardi talking at an NSCA conference last year where he was talking about you, um, fasting Krista and your experience with fasting and what it did to your body and how intermittent fasting maybe only works really well for about 25% of the female population. And I think he said, we don't really know why it's just what we're finding. Um, I think the human body is, is so complex that maybe we don't have the exact answers, but we can see the 
the different responses that women have from men. And I think it's so important for women to hear it from women because men have a different approach to, to the way that they interact with women. You know, it's like when sometimes when a woman just wants to vent, a man wants to give them like all these solutions. Like, why are you even upset about that? All you have to do is X, Y, and Z. And we're like, shut up. I just want you to tell me that you know that it sucks. Like, stop talking. Don't say anything else other than man, that must be really hard for you right now, babe. You know, like, don't say anything else. Um, but for women to hear it from women, you know, I've, I've seen even, even guys with these like really good intentions. I've been asked in interviews, like Molly, will you tell us why it's, you know, the stupidest thing ever that women think they're going to get bulky when they start lifting weights. And I'm like, actually, I will not tell you that. What I will tell you is how to speak to a woman who comes to you saying, you know what, I'm afraid I'm going to get bulky when I start lifting weights because, if a woman comes to you asking for your help and she's like, well, I want to, I want to look better and I want to feel better, but I'm scared to lift weights because I'm afraid I'm going to get bulky. And you look at her and you say, that's fucking stupid. What do you think she's going to do? <laughs> she's going to clam up. You know, she just made herself vulnerable to you. She's going to clam up. She's going to um, feel like she can't talk to you. If she has lifted weights in the past and gotten bigger, she's not going to trust you because she's going to think that you're wrong. So it's really important. And I think a woman is a woman can relate to another woman better and say, you know what, can you tell me maybe why you're afraid that you're going to get bulky or what maybe bulky looks like to you? And then you're validating what she says. You know, I've heard a lot, I've had a lot of clients say that to me, but let's talk a little bit about first what, you know, what does bulky look like to you? And if they say, well, you know, I started lifting weights in high school and when I played soccer and my legs got bigger, my jeans wouldn't fit. Well, what, what was your diet like in high school? Well, I didn't really pay much attention to it. Okay. So what probably happened was that when you started lifting weights, you know, you gained some muscle, but your nutrition wasn't on point. And so maybe you weren't losing body fat and you know, you're adding something without subtracting something. So, you know, maybe your jeans were fitting a little bit tighter, but let's talk about what it's going to look like to change your nutrition and your training and, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that just, from woman to woman, I think they just feel a lot more understood and they feel more validated and they feel more heard. When I wrote, um, it's hard out here for a fit chick just over a year ago, I talked about my weight fluctuations over time and how, um, you know, I found it hard to be a fitness professional under scrutiny for the way my body had changed. For example, after a figure competition or after my dad died suddenly or after this, you know, breakup of, of six years that I went through and my body weight was fluctuating because at that point in time, taking care of my, myself physically was not as important as taking care of myself mentally and emotionally. Um, and it, it was just, it just resonated. The, the, the emails and the messages and things I got from women said, I feel like, you know, me, I feel like you hear me. I feel like you are me and I love you for that. You know, I think there's something about not feeling alone. So there's that, there's that woman to woman connection. I think that is just so hard for, for a man to have with a woman in terms of the sensitive topic of helping her change her body and feel good about herself and feel good in her own skin. Some really insightful comments there, and uh, I'm particularly struck by the one about being a fitness professional and coming under greater scrutiny. I think uh, women who are listening, e even if you have more than a casual relationship to exercise, I think that's something that's on your mind, right? Because you think, oh, I'm, f I'm a fit person, right? That's my identity, or I'm an exercise mm -hmm. pro or whatever. 
which means that I should look a certain way and I should have a certain kind of, you know, body look, leanness, whatever. And so I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that's something that's on the mind of, of pretty much any woman who's gone to the gym more than two times <laughs> in, <laughs> in her life. Now, Cassandra, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. I mean, you've been quite a, a vocal advocate in favor of women's fitness, women's nutrition. I mean, why, why does this matter? Why, why is this so key? And also to hear it from women. Uh, well, I think hearing it from women is definitely novel because over the past many, many, many years in the fitness industry, it's always been guys running and writing the articles and being the experts. And it was kind of funny. I was trying to think of somebody who was like a, like a movement corrective specialist, like great blog street. I was trying to refer that to somebody and I was like, there's not many women. It's it's all like it was like Dean Somerset, Mike Robertson, Eric Cressy, and I'm like, which women? <laughs> you know, and and not because there aren't out there, but we're just not as vocal, or we don't put ourselves out there maybe as much as guys do. So women feel that, you know, like it's not something they should be doing, or or maybe that it's not possible for a woman to do it, or. or there's not information out them for them to be able to do it. So it's very important for women to get out there and say, Hey, I'm doing it too. You can do it as well. This is why more women need to be in the forefront, leading the way and leading the discussions and, and helping to spread the word about women's topics versus just what guys think about, like increasing their bench and getting bigger pecs and, and uh, you know, flexing in the mirror or whatever. Not like I don't flex in the mirror, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and then just to kind of go back onto what Molly said about uh, women being afraid about being bulky. I'm actually from weightlifting. Um, you know, in a way I'm sort of like tired of hearing that, but not from the stance of women can't get bulky because they don't have the same testosterone as men and blah, 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 blah. Because guess what? Women, when they lift weights, do gain muscle. And they're going to gain body weight. And not always is it going to be this reciprocal lose fat gain muscle relationship where automatically they start lifting weights and they're just going to get lean and ripped. Sometimes the fat loss is really slow or maybe it doesn't happen at all for whatever reason. And maybe it has nothing to do with nutrition. And maybe there wasn't really all that much fat there to begin with anyway. So when you add more muscle, you're going to get bulky. And if you look at the physiques of women who weight lift, CrossFit women to come to mind, they are very muscular and what we see in the media is not those body shapes you look at shape magazine women's health women's health drives me insane like it's a very popular women's magazine but they put the girls that have like the huge thigh gap on the every single cover <laughs> i'm like i i remember the one issue they had it was like the best butt issue and the girl on the front cover had no butt and i was like really like <laughs> wrong picture guys wrong picture like best butt issue doesn't mean you know make your butt disappear the best butt issue is like a nice round gluteus maximus going on there so it it's just we're um you know the weight training thing needs to be not not don't keep saying like oh you don't have the testosterone no you say if you weight train and when you weight train yes your body shape is going to change to one that has more muscle but it's not to the point of like a female bodybuilder type of muscle it's a point where you will have biceps and you're going to have some quad muscles and your your abs are going to be more defined. And if you're someone that enjoys the look of a muscular physique, this is this is the type of training that this is the effect of this type of training. And it's a very long, well, a, a training that creates a lot of longevity, a lot of health for the long term. 
where if you like the endurance athlete look and that's what your body really like gravitates for towards, I mean, runners, you compare people who run all the time and people that do primarily more lifting, there's a different body type there really is. And maybe it's like the people that are better at running, you know, just kind of have that body type. So they stick with running and the people that are lifting have more muscle and will build muscle. But regardless, there is a dichotomy. There is a difference. And so I've, I've had a woman come up to me and say, you know, I really am scared of getting bulky. And, and we talked about, it's not bulk, it's muscle. It, and, and it will and change your shape. And then they, they kind of understood and accepted it. Like this is what weightlifting is and does. And it's not, I'm not going to look like a man. I'm going to look like a strong woman. And that's a very important aspect to think about that, that we don't want to keep just saying, you're not going to get any muscle. You're not going to look like a guy. You don't have enough testosterone. No, you're going to, you will be strong. You're going to be a strong woman. And that's a great thing. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, but if someone is like primarily more a runner and that's their like thing, you know, let them run more and do weightlifting to keep them healthy, but they won't maybe necessarily gain as much muscle, which is maybe preferable to their sport and their lifestyle. So I'm not trying to put it down saying that, you know, this statement needs to like be flushed down the toilet, but you know, like Molly does approach it differently. What's your, what do you think bulky looks like? But then also say, yeah, weightlifting does build muscle you're going to probably have biceps and then you get to flex in the mirror and it looks really cool. <laughs> and you know, when you wave your arm, it doesn't like wave back. These are cool. <laughs> the bingo wing. Well, it's like Lee Peel, I believe polled like 2000 women. And there was a big, there's a significant number of those women who thought that Jessica Beal looked bulky. And, you know, Jessica Beal, from what I know, is like five, seven, maybe 125 pounds or 130 pounds. But because she has a little curve to her shoulder and a little bicep and, you know, and a little and some shapely legs and a butt or whatever, women actually think that she looks bulky. And it's funny because I'd, I'd imagine that most of the women who are saying that she looks bulky are significantly bigger than she is, right? I mean, the average woman is what, five, four, 140 or 150 pounds. And Jessica Beale's five, seven, 125 pounds. I'm not sure what population, you know, Lee was peeling or Lee, Lee was polling, but Lee was peeling. Lee was polling. <laughs> that was good. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Um, but, you know, maybe it was a more fit athletic population that was, a you know, that carries their, their weight differently or, um, or is a different level of leanness. But, you know, so for women to find her bulky or Jennifer Garner and alias for them to find her bulky, um, <coughs> excuse me, is just kind of, you know, blows my mind a little bit in terms of our perception of like what a kind of a fit athletic female looks like. And, and I didn't get to say it, but Cassandra did make a great point. It does drive me crazy when people say you don't have the testosterone to get, you know, to to get bulky. But again, we don't even know what that looks like in their mind. We might be telling them that they're not going to look a certain way that in their mind, you know, cause we think it looks just fit and athletic, but they might think that it looks bulky. So like, you know, we have to, we have to define what that looks like to them. And then like, Cassandra said, education is key. Yeah. If you lift weights, you are going to gain some muscle in general. You know, you could say like oh, 90 to 95% of my clients really like that look. And if you're brand new, you're going to gain muscle at a much faster rate, of course, but it's not going to happen overnight. It's not like you wake up looking like the quote unquote, she Hulk one day or something, you know, it's like, if you get to a point where you feel like you do have enough muscle, then you can go to a more of a maintenance program. But yeah, the, the idea that muscle building muscle mass, you know, adding mass is bad. Bad, I think is really um, is really damaging to a lot of women, and I do think that the the tides are changing a bit with the popularity of CrossFit and such, and you know yeah. the the no thigh gap kind of um, 
campaigns that are going around and such, um, I think are positive in a lot of ways because they're making women who maybe didn't feel comfortable about their bodies before feel comfortable now. But I also think that we should just stop effing telling women what their body should look like, you know, (laughs) like, can we do that, please? Because I have an article called only a dog wants a bone. And I talk about how damaging it is like, you know, real women have curves. No real women have whatever the fuck they want to have. Right. Like they have, like they, they have the body that they, that, that hopefully feels good to them. They have curves and they don't have curves and they're, you know, they're, you know, skinny and they're heavy and they're lean and they're athletic and they're muscular and they're tall and they're short and they're, you know, round and they're whatever. And, I think telling a woman what a quote unquote real woman has, even though it's the idea behind it is positive, right? Like we're wanting bigger women or muscular women or curvier women to feel positively about themselves. We're again, just putting down a different segment of the population. I really like what you're saying here in terms of creating that space for real diversity of body types. Um, you know, Molly, I, as you were introducing yourself as someone who was a little bit taller and bigger and, and became a gymnast, I was like, oh, because I'm five feet tall, right? I'm, I've always <laughs> wanted to be like six feet tall and like really powerful looking, kind of the Amazon type. And, you know, so it's really funny. Like we all kind of have hangups about our size, shape, age, you know, whatever. But but I feel like the, the message here is that we really want to create a democracy of body types, right? An incredible diversity and really celebrate nature's variation of body types. And whatever you're kind of showing up to the gym with, fine, we can work with that. And I always tell people like, whatever body part of yours is moving, let's move it, right? Like yeah. if you've only got one working arm, cool. We're going to just bust that one out on something, right? And so I feel like we're really making an argument here for moving beyond a lot of the very tired dichotomies that that we've been working with over the last maybe 20 years, right? Like skinny versus this, muscular versus that. I I feel like you guys are really opening up a really nice space for this. Um, And I'm kind of mindful of our time, but I do want to definitely get in in my last question to the Women's Fitness Summit, which sounds completely fantastic. Um, And this kind of, I mean, one of the things I was curious about was really, okay, we've talked about where we've been, right, and where you guys have been in in terms of your personal and professional development, and I think it seems like we're going to a really interesting place now. We're really thinking about these questions in, in new and quite innovative ways. So in our last few minutes, Cassandra, maybe tell us a little bit about the Women's Fitness Summit and why that's going to be awesome. Okay, well, first I have to say why it's not going to be awesome, and that's because you're not going to be there. <laughs> that's the only it's not going to be awesome. So, Chris, if you can make, like, a cameo appearance, we would love it. You know, you can sleep in my bed, even. I'll sleep on the floor. <laughs> Take my hotel room. Freak it, Spoon. That's cool. Well, I'm four, so I'll, I'll go behind you. So. <laughs> blankets. But um, the Women's Fitness Summit was something I thought I've been thinking about for a while is an event just for women. And it's come from the fact that I've spoke at a lot of conferences over the last 10 years. And I always was the only woman at, at, on the podium. And I would talk about women's topics. Naturally, I felt like that was something I should, you know, delve into versus like, it kind of drives me a little crazy when guys talk about it. Not that I don't think that they're smart, but it's like you don't have the full picture. I'm sorry. I don't try to tell you how guys feel when they're in the change room looking in the mirror. You know, you don't. 
you know, I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm just saying I think we get it a little bit better than they do. And so I would talk about women's issues. And after every one of these conferences, and, and I'm not like tooting my own horn here, I would have so many women coming up to me that were like, thank you for speaking. Thank you for discussing issues that are related to us. Thank you for bringing up this topic of cognitive dietary restraint or losing my period or, you know, women, you know, being harsher on themselves than men are, et cetera, et cetera. No one talks about that. And it would be really nice. And from that, I thought, you know, why aren't there more women out there doing this? Like, it's not that we're not talented enough. And it's not that there aren't, we aren't out there. It's just, I don't know, we're not asked or we're not given the opportunity or whatever. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm, we're going to, I'm making one of these things myself and it's going to be only women for women, all female topics and no boys allowed. And it's not to say that there aren't guys that would be, would really benefit from this information, but I want to keep it to an environment that women feel comfortable about talking about very heavy menstrual cycles or, you know, how much weight they gained during their pregnancy and how humiliating it was and how hard it was to lose it. And they're still struggling or women going through menopause or entering into menopause. And how do you deal with it? And not feeling like there's a guy staring at them that, Oh, he's going to feel uncomfortable. So I can't talk about this. It's an open arena for us to really get together. And also a networking opportunity for us women, just like when girls gone strong came together and all these wonderfully strong, beautiful women came together and showed women like, how awesome muscles are and what strong women are doing. Um, this is another networking ability for all women in the fitness industry to come together. And there's a lot of us from Girls Gone Strong there. And I say us because I'm on the advisory board for Girls Gone Strong now. Yay. Thank you, Molly. Yay. Asking me. And um, there's going to be a lot of really great women there networking, getting to know each other and creating alliances, creating more more connections, a web of women, strong, brilliant, awesome women, because it doesn't seem like we connect enough. It doesn't seem like all these awesome women doing these awesome things are like networking, like, you know, uh, Mike Roberts and Eric Cressy, you know, did tons of stuff together. And then Tony and Eric, I mean, they were roommates for a long time, do stuff together. Now, Tony and Dean Somerset. I mean, there's a lot of other examples that I'm just kind of a small piece of the pie there. But I would love it to see more women doing this for other women to help uh, women grow and benefit and, and gain the knowledge that we're looking for in this fitness and nutrition industry, which can be so crazy and so delusional sometimes and bringing more of a reality perspective to it. Well, I have to say, I mean, huge thanks to you both for being such tremendous leaders in this in this field and opening up this space, providing these products, these services, these ways of thinking for women. I feel like we really are standing on the threshold of a, a really new way of thinking and doing things by and for women. So I, w I really want to congratulate you both for being leaders in this domain. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you both. And I'm so grateful that you were able to make the time in what I know are extremely busy lives to kind of hang out with me and chat a bit. Well, well, Krista, you, well, Krista, we have to say that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, though, to be totally yep. honest. You yep. really, like, spearheaded most of this. So, hail Krista. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, because it, it like does. Like, she it takes uh, it takes people to pave the way and to do this stuff, you know, um, before it was really popular or getting popular and before it was cool, you know. Um, I think doing this, what, almost, you know, 15, 20 years ago, like, I mean, you, yeah, you were laying the foundation for women like Cassandra to write the new rules of lifting, who was laying the foundation for someone like me and a group of other women to start Girls Gone Strong. And um, 
it's cool because, you know, right now there are a, there's a group of women, uh, kind of like, like us, I guess, you know, who are interested in fitness, who are interested in health. And, and I feel like we're starting to attract other women who maybe want to be like us. And then eventually you attract women who don't even know they want to be like you yet. You know, I kind of <laughs> think of it like, like CrossFit, you know, CrossFit started out for only just super hardcore people. And then you attracted the people who want to be hardcore. And now you have grandmothers going to CrossFit, you know? And so it's kind of like that. It's like you kind of build this, build this community, build this, um, this kind of, uh, uh, following or group of, or tribe of people who, um, who want to do things differently and who want to, to, to talk about female health and fitness and nutrition from a really positive perspective and not a, you're not good enough perspective, you know, but a, a let's, uh, let's try to be the best version of ourselves. And, um, I have a, a little thing that I wanted to say earlier that I forgot, but I have a, a little saying that says, if you want long, lean muscles, get different parents. And <laughs> if you, if you want the best version of the body that you were given, you know, then that's a, that's lifting heavy, you know, sprinting occasionally, walking often, eating plenty of nutrient dense food, sleeping restoratively, engaging positively with friends and family, managing your stress effectively, getting adequate sunshine, you know, and it's just like this, yeah, if you, if you want this X, Y, and Z body type, that's so different than what you have, then you really need to get different parents. But if you want the best version of what you were given, you know, there's kind of a, a bit of a formula for that, I think. And so anyway, I just want to, yeah, like Cassandra said, thank you for, for paving the way for this opportunity. And it was extremely cool to do this with you guys. And, and, uh, and I appreciate, and I'm grateful for everything that you all have done and are doing in the industry. Well, hopefully we can collectively convince every woman on the planet to um, pick up <laughs> the Modern Woman's Guide to Strength Training and click on that Get Started piece and really get rolling on it. So thanks so much to you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Is if they uh, come to the Women's Fitness Summit, they will actually get a complimentary copy. Is that correct, Molly? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So bonus, come to both, get both. Yeah, and it's a $140 value. You'll get the gold package, which has everything, including Cassandra's awesome um, nutrition guide. And then we'll be adding her bonus meal plans on top of that. So any woman who who registers for the Women's Fitness Summit, whether they've already registered or they're going to register, they will get a free copy of the Modern Woman's Guide to Strength Training. Um, we just, you know, thought it girls gone strong that it was so important to to support again, what other women are doing. And we think that that's a fantastic incentive to, you know, sometimes it takes people a, just a little push to do, to know, to do what they know they should be doing, right. To sign up for the summit to come. And we just really wanted to, to hopefully re reward them with something that we thought was pretty incredible that took a lot of our time and energy. So yeah, sign up for the women's fitness summit at womensfitnesssummit.com and um, you will get a free copy of the modern woman's guide to strength training. Fabulous. Sounds great guys. Well, thanks again. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it was a huge treat to get the chance to chat with Molly and Cassandra. Once again, you can check out girlsgonestrong.com, mollygalbraith.com, cassandraforsyth.com, modernwomenstrengthtraining.com, or womensfitnesssummit.com. Thanks for listening.